Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. Wayne County has finalized its list of properties that are headed for tax foreclosure this year, opening a season of real uncertainty and potential loss for thousands of homeowners. If your property's on this list, or, and this is really important, if you're a renter whose landlord is behind on taxes, life could be a real scramble between now and September when the county auctions off tax-delinquent properties. Renters have no way to plan for what's coming next, whether they may be able to buy the houses they occupy, how to navigate utility shutoff, and even whether to keep paying rent every month to a landlord who is scheduled to lose the property. That's where we want to begin the conversation here on Detroit Today. And we've got two people who are very familiar with this issue to help us sort through it. Sarah Alvarez is the founder and executive director of Outlier Media, which is reporting diligently on tax foreclosures here in Wayne County. Sarah, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Also with us is Michelle Oberholzer. She is the director of the United Community Housing Coalition's Tax Foreclosure Prevention Project. Michelle, welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thank you both so much. So, Sarah, let's let's start with just the facts here, uh, the numbers. Uh, how many properties are on this list, and are we moving in the right direction? I mean, uh, the last time we talked about this on the show, we talked with some county officials who were very optimistic about the work that they've been doing to try to cut down on the number of people who lose their houses. Uh, are the numbers moving in that direction, though? They are. So, in 20, 2015 was the peak of the property tax foreclosure auction. And there are around 25,000 properties in 2015 that were foreclosed on. And about 9,000 of those were occupied. This year, so far on the foreclosure list, which can only get smaller, it can't get bigger. Okay, so this year on the foreclosure list, there's 9,365 properties. So that's a lot less. Mm -hmm. But last year, you know, by the auction, there were 4,676 properties. So it is much higher than last year. And typically what's happened is that the time between now when those foreclosure decisions come down and July when the auction list is finalized, that number shrinks. Mm -hmm. And while that's very good for, you know, property owners feel that that's good, uh, in our reporting, we talked to a lot of renters who are trying to navigate the uncertainty of knowing whether or not their place will be foreclosed on. Yeah. And and for renters, this is just something that's beyond their control. The, they are at the mercy of what their landlords can do or, or decide to do. Or have done in the past, right? So renters are not uh, responsible for property taxes. And many, uh, many renters don't even know that their place is at risk of auction. Either they just recently moved in or they moved in, they got a yellow bag, you know, in the fall saying it was at risk, but they talked to their landlord and their landlord said, I'm dealing with it, right? So they are very much at mercy, at the mercy of what their landlords have done in the past and then will decide to do. Will they try to get into a payment plan? Will they pay off the taxes in full? Or will they let that place go into the auction and then when a new buyer comes, that tenant can be evicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle, uh, your work, of course, is focused on 
tax foreclosure and preventing it. Uh, give us your sense of, of where we are with this number and with this specific problem that relates to renters. It, it seems that we are narrowing uh, over time the pool of people who find themselves in this tax foreclosure conundrum, but renters seem to be sort of the focus and, and caught in a cycle that they can't escape. Yeah, so it's it's such a terrible issue for renters. You know, there's so much uncertainty, as you've alluded to. Some people in the past I've spoken to, they try to pay the taxes, um, and thank goodness that that's at least happening less. But um, it's it's an issue where they don't exactly know what to do. And what we do at my office is try to at least make them aware of their options and of the timeline. But I tell people, you know, we don't, no, because we can't see the future any better than you can. So um, one of our conversations is about whether or not to withhold rent. And we look at the history of payments or non-payments by the landlord. Sometimes we can see that even though you could arguably have a, a right to withhold rent at this time, that based on the payment history of this particular landlord, it's probably not ultimately going to be foreclosed. So you may have late fees, you may have um, you know, all these other issues with your landlord that you would rather not introduce, even though you would lawfully have the right to withhold. Um, as you alluded to, Stephen, we have uh, utility shutoff issues. And what our office is focused on is that you at least have information that you are a- aware of your options and then you can make an informed choice. You're aware of the timeline. And then also, if the house is ultimately foreclosed and if that house goes up for sale, that you have a seat at the table if you want to own it and get that opportunity. Um, and that's one of the best parts about about my work is turning this trauma of a foreclosure into an opportunity for someone who has suffered through, you know, these the, the vulnerability of being a, a tenant in a foreclosed home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah, talk about the work that Outlier is doing to sort of identify these prog- these problems and, and how you're interacting with the folks who are caught in the middle of it. Sure. So Outlier runs a news service for all Detroiters. It's used a lot by renters. If people want to access it, they just text the word Detroit to the number 73224. And what you can do is enter your address and you can find out the tax foreclosure status of your address and find out um, if it's been recently inspected, if you want to talk directly to a journalist about a housing issue or a utilities issue, we will get back to you within 48 hours in person. You know, this what Michelle said in terms of people wanting information is incredibly true. That's why we built Outlier, because so many people were having trouble getting information that's really fundamental, which is about housing. And that's still true with this tax auction right now. We got this list of tax foreclosures Last Thursday, the tax foreclosures were finalized on March 26th. We got it in a PDF and we've had to convert it and we're having to call people individually or, you know, search for people individually because when you go to the treasurer's website, it still says unconfirmed. That's that's what people are dealing with. Mm. They're calling us saying, how do I know my land? And I've heard um, over the last a couple days from a lot of the people who we are doing reporting with saying people are coming to my door, right? So it's very what we want to do with our reporting is try to use this information to kind of put folks in a more equal position. It's incredibly hard to make very good decisions if 
the county um, and is not giving people information to make those decisions yeah. with. So, and, I'd like and, to just chime ahead, in Michelle. on that, Stephen, yeah. if I can. You know, there's a lot of procedural things that have to happen for the government to take ownership of private property. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty serious act, and so there's due process, there's noticing that happens. But all of that is to the, the owner, the taxpayer, and none of those requirements apply to the resident. And that's where, you know, this incidental knowledge happens, where the resident gets the notices that may have been uh, intended for owners or, you know, the yellow bag comes on the door, but it doesn't, it hasn't in the past contained information for renters. And then in addition to that, there is a direct uh, incentive of a landlord to give misinformation. You know, Sarah alluded to that when I, when I asked my landlord about it, they might just say, I took care of it, don't worry about it. And they may or may not be telling the truth, or they may still be in a gray area where it's tentative and we need to wait further and further. So uh, people have, you know, a lot of opportunities to withhold rent, which could uh, make themselves vulnerable later if that was the wrong move. So it, it's, uh, it's a terrifying time for tenants. Hmm. Well, what's the reason that it's so difficult to get the county to share this information? You said that this was finalized on March 26th. You got it last Thursday. What, what's the reason they give for that kind of delay? The reason uh, that they gave us was because they were trying to finalize the data. But this is their data. So I, I'm not sure what the reason is. I think that as you said earlier, this is in flux. The county wants to work with people to get their homes off the list. And so I think that they are, you know, it really is a time of flux. Um, And for owners, you know, that's to their advantage. For renters, I'm not sure if it is. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, it's even if you have a perfect list in April, that doesn't mean that you know what will happen between now and June. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about tax foreclosures and the impact of tax foreclosures on renters. Stay tuned and stay with us on the phones as well. 313-577-1019 is the number. Call us and tell us if you're someone who has faced tax foreclosure or if you're a renter and your landlord has had problem with taxes. Uh, What has that meant for your life? And do you think it's okay that this is a cycle that repeats itself here in Wayne County. Uh, We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Sarah Alvarez. She's the founder and executive director of Outlier Media, which is reporting diligently on tax foreclosures here in Wayne County. We've also got Michelle Oberholzer. She is the director of the United Community Housing Coalition's Tax Foreclosure Prevention Project. We're talking about the list of properties that are headed for tax foreclosure. Wayne County has released that list. There are thousands of properties on it, which means that thousands of 
uh, Detroiters and other people in Wayne County face the prospect of losing their homes in the fall auction. Uh, we're also talking about the inf- the impact of that on renters, uh, people who don't have control over whether the taxes are paid on the houses in which they live. Uh, what are the options that they face in this period of real uncertainty between now and the fall when their landlords have the opportunity to get their properties off of this list? Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. We want to hear especially from people who have faced this tax foreclosure problem here in Wayne County. Is this something that's happened to you either in a house that you own or in a house that you rent? And what has it meant for your life? How have you uh, managed to navigate uh, that kind of uncertainty or the threat of the loss of your home. Uh, Also give us an idea of what you think about the idea of Wayne County foreclosing on so many properties still here uh, each year uh, as people fall behind. Is there a better way to think about this? Is there a better way to manage property tax collection uh, so that people are not under threat of losing their homes. Again, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation here. Uh, Sarah, the, the numbers here uh, are, are more interesting than just the overall number of properties headed for foreclosure. Uh, talk about the, the details. Sure. So again, this is pretty new data for us. So we're still working our way through analyzing it and really trying to understand it. Um, one thing that we reported on last year that I wanted to keep track of again this year is the amount of tax debt that places are being foreclosed on for. So there are a couple of um, outliers with an incredibly high amount of tax debt, but there are right now 2,158 properties that were foreclosed on for less than $1,000 in tax debt. And there are 58 properties that were foreclosed on for less than $100 in tax debt. That doesn't mean those folks do not owe taxes. So the tax foreclosure year that you have to owe from in order to be in the auction is 2016. Mm-hmm. Three years ago. Right. So it doesn't mean some of those places that owe that are being foreclosed on for less than $100, maybe they owe taxes from 2017 and 2018, but the amount that they were foreclosed on for is under $100 or under $1,000. So, you know, this can be a, and I think that that in the past, um, Treasurer Sabri has said that that's one reason that they, you know, really kind of draw this process out because it's very serious to lose a home for less than a thousand dollars. Although, you know, we reported last year that that does actually end up happening to many people. Um, this idea of losing those homes for such little money also gets to the idea of, I guess, who who is in this pool of people, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a this is not the same pool of people that we were dealing with just a few years ago, right? That's true. So when I look at the list of addresses, I see many addresses on there that were purchased in the auction in years prior, right? So we are seeing a cycle of places that have been purchased in the auction before and are now being auctioned again. We also see a lot of repeat buyers, right? So the person there's a an entity that has 94 foreclosures this year, right? And there are many that have tens of foreclosures. So it, it's not the story of 
although this does, of course, still happen, we're not seeing like individual homeowners be foreclosed on for their home as often as we're seeing speculators being foreclosed on for a bulk purchase that they made that didn't work out and they no longer want to pay the taxes on because they don't see value in that home. Hmm. And, and Michelle, yeah, go ahead, Michelle. It would get to an interesting situation because, you know, when you hear outright someone's losing their home for less than $1,000, that can make you very angry until you think about, oh my gosh, you know, as a counselor, sometimes I'm asking and hoping that a certain home will be foreclosed because they're in a state of stalemate. Otherwise, it's a tenant who may or may not have an active landlord, and uh, they may have utility issues. They may want to make repairs. There's no one else to do that, and the taxpayer you know, we're, we're actually waiting for the taxes to accrue uh, to a point where it will be foreclosed so that we can actually uh, have some agency there in the outcome of the home. Yeah. Uh, uh, when we talk about renters and their choices, uh, what should they be doing uh, if, if they face this, uh, this, this problem? Uh, Michelle, what rights do renters have with uh, regard to, to delinquent taxes owed by their landlords? Well, the rights that they have, you know, most renters in this situation are considered holdover renters. You know, if, if a landlord sells their property, then the new owner would have to assume the lease. You know, foreclosure is different. It really breaks those ties. But it does, you know, the person is not a squatter. They're a holdover tenant. They're allowed to stay and continue. Um, and that's to the mutual benefit of themselves and, and everyone else. Uh, but in terms of what they can and must do in terms of paying rent, that can become very sticky. If they did owe rent, they should withhold it. They should set it aside, not just not pay it. Um, and that will both protect them legally in case the home is redeemed from foreclosure, but it will also protect them if they have to move. If there is an opportunity to buy it, they could then use that to bid on. Um, and one of the things I wanted to say uh, for, for Sarah's work is I find myself often with clients texting that number and trying to see if there's other confounding issues be, beside the tax foreclosure that would give someone a stronger foothold to then withhold rent. Mm. Is, has this property uh, been inspected and, and so on so that, you know, they can't just merely pay $100 and say that they've solved a problem where there, there are further issues that the landlord may ha- not be dealing with. Hmm. Are, are, Sarah, are you hearing from uh, the people who are in this uh, situation that they f- that they feel comfortable or confident in what the solutions are for them, or are you hearing that they just don't really even know what they're supposed to do? We're hearing that people um, are making the best choices that they can with the information they have. Those aren't necessarily good choices Mm because there's not good information, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. um, we often tell people, you know, to go to UCHC, to talk to Michelle, to to be able to go through this with somebody who can walk them through the process. But we're hearing a lot from people who are saying, so what should I do? How do you know this? And, you know, as reporters, we can only say, like, this is the information that we have. Um, but I don't think people are in a good situation. I mean, I talked to um, one woman uh, a few days ago who um, her home was foreclosed on. She thought that that was probably going to happen. She'd only moved in a month ago. She didn't mm-hmm. know that this place was going to be foreclosed on. And as soon as she heard about it, um, through a letter that she got from Michelle, she 
wasn't sure what to do and had even put off buying her children beds because hmm. she had moved from out of state. And when I spoke to her the other day, she said, I'm so happy that means I can buy my children beds because she didn't feel like she had to save that money for a security deposit someplace to else. Move. Yeah. Right. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. again, go ahead, Michelle. What do I want to say? Um, <laughs> in terms of people's options, sometimes they don't even want to stay. They just want to right. know, is there going to be a bailiff on my door in the next week. Mm-hmm. And even just knowing your timeline can enable you to mitigate a spiral that a panic-induced move could cause. And so that's really important. But for people who are living in foreclosed homes who want to be the owner or who would want to own it if, if they could do so for an affordable price, that's the other area that we can really assist with. And it's, again, one of the favorite part of my jobs. Um, the split of our client base at UTHC is a majority owner for most of the year. But after the foreclosure happens, a lot of our for- homeowners have been able to stop the foreclosure. And now we are in a very renter-heavy situation where a lot of our clients are not the ones in charge and they're trying to wait it out. And uh, it's interesting conversations that we have where people are actually sad when the house isn't foreclosed because they thought they would have a chance to buy it to buy it uh, and uh and really excited and hopeful about the opportunity to become a homeowner Uh, we have landlords who are deceased we have landlords who are not necessarily acting uh in a as a good steward of the home in other ways so we do look look at those as opportunities too Mm-hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones if you want to join the conversation. Let's go to Valerie in Detroit. Valerie, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning, guys. Uh, hey. On behalf of property owners, landlords in, the, landlords in the city of Detroit, very often, you know, there's such a low profit in renting when you talk about having your home registered, when you talk about paying taxes, insurance, and then you're fighting with a mentality, a, a long-term mentality here in the city where uh, the favor is towards the renters and not the landlords. And so for myself, very often, I mean, one of, one of the things I would encourage renters to do is ask the landlord, can I see a tax bill? Because I'm more than happy to show any of my tenants that taxes are current because that is important. You, you have to have a certain amount of safety and security. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, I think that the city can be a lot more user-friendly when it comes to landlords and our process in terms of uh, helping us deal with non-compliant tenants. And so people get behind for that, that reason. Last year I had an eight-month period where I had no income uh, from my property. I was not able to evict my tenant because of the demands of my job and taking time off and just the complications of paperwork. Uh, and then my second point is there are so many areas in this city, uh, as a small investor, I've, I've traveled to where we shouldn't even be charging taxes. I mean, it's deplorable that people actually live in some of these dilapidated neighborhoods that I've driven through. And it's, it, it, it's scary. I mean, it, it's scary. And so why aren't we eliminating those neighborhoods and putting people in neighborhoods that already exist and, and taking those homes that aren't being uh, properly taken care of and, 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 you know, putting people in a better position. I mean, building communities instead of yeah. people living in places that look like 
you know, I am legend. I mean, right. it looks like zombies live there. It's Valerie, crazy. Valerie, I really appreciate the call and the and the perspective. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in what you said. Uh, uh, Sarah, go ahead and take a, a crack at that. Sure. Well, I would say in terms of the areas of the city where the tax base has been decimated, and we're talking about the auction today, and that is also largely because of the auction. These are places that were foreclosed on many years ago. Uh, and they caused this kind of decay. Exactly. They passed into the ownership of the land bank, which is now the biggest property owner in the city with close to 100,000 properties. Um, and close to 30,000 of those are homes, right? So we know that there are many blocks in this city where there's more than 90% of the homes in that on that block being owned by the land bank. So I uh, you know it, that is an issue and but it's hard to take that issue too far away from the tax auction. Mm-hmm. The, the tax auction is the driver in many cases of the awful conditions we see in in neighborhoods. It certainly was and I think the question now and we can't know because we're only looking at the data that we have right now and we can't see into the future. The question is like what is happening? How is what's happening today going to change neighborhoods for the next five years or 10 years? Right. And that's why this is a big issue here in the city, because when you're talking about 10,000, pro- close to 10,000 properties, you know, that's a lot. That's several blocks. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle, what about Valerie's other point about this balance between the rights of tenants uh, and the responsibilities of of landlords, if somebody's not able to pay the rent, does that put landlords in a position where they've got choices to make in order just to survive and be able to provide decent housing uh, for people to live in? Yeah, I mean, I do sympathize with her point. If you are a landlord who is following the rules, um, there's certainly you know ways that you can be taken advantage of too. And um, as we've talked about before, there's a very highly procedural aspect to evictions and things like that. So I hear her point. I think that her perspective is is probably very different from someone who, you know, they get their margins out of being a landlord by not doing anything, you know, by not paying the taxes. And uh, I, I don't think that her tenants are, are in that situation. They're able to see there's no taxes owed in this property. Um, but, you know, when you rent out a, a home, you own it, and you rent it out, you are assuming responsibility, and I do. No one's making you you do that. So I think that there there are responsibilities that come with it. And like anything, we have to find the balance of not being overly overly regulatory while also protecting people. I think that some aspects to you know the the new lead requirements are financially overly burdensome to landlords, and that's a really hard uh, spot that we find ourselves in and trying to be responsible with lead and not. Uh, pass those costs off to tenants or, or to have unreasonable demands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the balance there that she's talking about, I mean, she seemed to imply that the law and policy favors tenants. Michelle, would you, would you characterize it that way? I would not. No, I, I really would not. I think that, you know, when you're the one living there, your day-to-day well-being is at stake. Your, your worldly possessions are at risk. And I think that the, in almost every case, you know, your access to utilities and water and heat are, are vulnerable. And so I think that most times it is a tenant who is at a, a disadvantage relative to a landlord. 
uh, in my experience. Uh, again, Valerie, thanks very much for the call and the perspective. Let's go to James in Detroit. James, welcome to Detroit today. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jim. Um, we have these two these two companies, BBAC and, and Decommissioning Services, and they came in and they spread uh, asbestos almost uh, on purpose. Mm. And in a neighborhood in the, that you live in, James, is that right? Yeah, yeah it's like a scam where uh, they have these uh, crews of felons and they're improperly trained. Hmm. And they don't handle the asbestos, and my whole neighborhood is dusted with asbestos. Hmm. And now the problem has migrated over to the to the dump by uh, two seventy five. They're they're hmm. getting particulate. Yeah, you know, asbestos uh, pieces uh, so small that they. Yeah, James, I, I I really appreciate the call. You know, Sarah, what he's talking about reminds me that um, in your work, a lot of times people just don't know where to turn to get help for yeah. things that are going on in their neighborhood, things that they don't really have control over. And I think James was struggling to, to try to sort of identify exactly what's going on or who's doing it. But I think he's calling here because he doesn't know who else to call. Right. And we find it's an uncomfortable position for a reporter, right? And for journalists who our job is supposed to be just to kind of look into why something is happening, figure out why something is happening and figure out who's responsible. That is what we do. But we field a lot of calls where people are just like, I don't know where else to air this problem. It's Mm -hmm. kind of incredible to me as a reporter that there are so few organizations working on this issue from an advocacy perspective or from like a social service perspective. So as reporters, we get a lot of those calls because people do want accountability. It's not just that they want to know what's happening. They want to know who to hold responsible and what the right process is to like get that problem out in the open and have somebody pay attention to it. Mm. And there is a real um, dearth of options for folks. Yeah. yeah. I think it reminds me of Valerie's second point as well. You know, we we don't really have that second piece of the puzzle. We have perfected the art of evacuating people with tax foreclosure and water shutoffs and all kinds of things, but we haven't done the second step which is to then find suitable housing elsewhere that is affordable. Right. And so that's why people stay. People live in the best known circumstances available to them. And uh it's not that they don't know that, you know, this gentleman who called, he doesn't want to be living around asbestos. I'm not implying he wants to move, per se, but um, this is currently the best-known circumstance available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Sarah Alvarez, founder and executive director of Outlier Media. Thanks very much for being with us. Anytime. Thank you. Also, Michelle Oberholzer, director of the United Community Housing Coalition's Tax Foreclosure Prevention Project. Always great to catch up with you as well. Thank you so much. Up next, we're going to talk about a film that's making its Michigan debut at the Freep Film Festival. It's about Detroit's brutal decoy unit, Stress. Stay with us on Detroit Today.